to another episode of Paranormal, The New Normal. I'm your host, as always, Jeremy, here to try to make the world seem a little more normal. Will we accomplish that tonight? Maybe. Unlikely, but maybe. <laughs> we'll see. But of course, as always, I have a guest with me to do that. And my guest tonight is Margaret Florio of the, and I know I'm going to mess this up, but the Rhode Island Paranormal Research Society. Did I get it? The paranormal, the Rhode Island Paranormal Research Group. But you were close. close. Enough. You were close. <laughs> yeah. Our, uh, our acronym is TRIPRG. So if you were to search for us online, that's what you would use. And of course, I'll tag, I'll tag, I'll tag the group as well in the description of this podcast. <laughs> but first things first, how are you doing tonight, Margaret? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm sorry if you're under the weather tonight. I hope you feel Yes. To all my listeners, if I sound a little off tonight, it's because I'm getting over some kind of cold or whatever it is. But the show must go on, as they say. But first question I ask everybody on this show is, what got you into the paranormal? Okay. Um, that's a question that I'm asked a lot. Um, I think you'd probably have to go all the way back to when I was a young child. I mean, my dad, I think, liked uh, ghost stories because he would tell me ghost stories instead of bedtime stories. <laughs> and uh, when I was um, in grade school, um, a show came on TV. It was uh, a new show, uh, a daily soap opera that had elements of the supernatural, like ghosts and vampires and werewolves. Dark shadows. Witches, yes. I was a huge fan. I still am. I still watch it. Um, and I grew up in a house that had activity. There were things that happened that uh, we could not explain. I, and I wasn't the only one that experienced there were other people, friends, other family members. Um, it wasn't constant and it wasn't um, evil or anything. It was just stuff happened. Um, and I guess, you know, I grew up with two loves, music and the supernatural. And uh, when I was 10, I started playing the saxophone and I decided to pursue a career in music. So it kind of put the paranormal on the back burner. Back then it was the supernatural, put it on the back burner. I mean, I'd still, you know, read up and stuff, but I just wasn't as interested in it. Um, and then, you know, came school and college and career and family and just kind of, you know, didn't really think about it. Still read my Stephen King books. Every time a new one came out, I had to read it. Um, but then um, in 2002, my husband and I attended a Christmas party at the Aldrich Mansion in Warwick, Rhode Island. Um, if you've ever seen the movie Meet Joe Black, 
you might be familiar uh, with it because some of the footage was shot there. Like the ball, the scene of the ball that was shot there, gorgeous place. And it was a Christmas party all decorated. And um, I had a couple of experiences there um, during the party. And so did my husband. And so when we got home, I um, searched for uh, Rhode Island Paranormal Group, you know, on the computer. And the Rhode Island Paranormal Research Group popped up. And they had a, a link where you could send them email. Because I was curious, did this place have a reputation for being haunted? Because um, I couldn't explain what happened. And uh, neither could my husband. And there were other people there that night that had things happen to them as well. And so um, I submitted my question. And in about 24 hours, the director of the group um, at the time, Andy Laird, who's also one of the founders of the group, he got back to me and said, yes, there were three spirits that haunt the um, Aldrich Mansion. And uh, two of which I experienced. The other one was an out, outdoor ghost. It was a caretaker who's seen uh. on And he's the real scary one. And he's the one that I didn't encounter, thank God. Um, but we started corresponding, started talking to him about, you know, stuff that used to happen in my house. And, um, and then my son, who was... He was uh, probably about 11 at the time. He was, he was very interested in what mom was doing online, you know. And so I would show him that, you know, I was, you know, looking at ghost stuff. And he decided for his science project that he wanted to do a paranormal investigation. I had no idea what to do. So I asked Dandy, you know, what do we do? He said, well, you just need a camera and some kind of audio recording device, like a, a tape recorder at the time. And uh, he says, there's a cemetery right down the road from you that's very haunted. And he said, just make sure you let the police know that you're gonna be there. And they're usually pretty good about that. Um, so that was my first paranormal investigation was with my husband and my son. And I never thought that, you know, we would catch anything, that we would get anything in our pictures. Or um, I bought a little uh, mini cassette recorder uh, from Benny's <laughs> right down the street. Good old Benny's. They always had what you needed, right? And um, went to this cemetery, spent about an hour there. Um, I used a 35 millimeter camera. So I didn't know right away if I had anything in my pictures. So when we got home, I listened to the audio and I was shocked at what I heard. I heard EVP. I heard disembodied sounds, like sounds of a gunshot, sounds of a train that we never heard while we were there. Mm. Uh, a, a young child's voice speaking to us that we never heard. Now, my son was 11. He was a big boy. He was my size at 11. Um, he did not 
this this was a very young child. Then when I got the pictures back, I had all kinds of light anomalies in it, and I was I was like totally hooked. So um, shortly after that, I think it was the, a month after that, someone had left the group, and Andy asked me to join, and uh, and I said yes. Um, and you know that's how I got into it. Well, that's fascinating as could be. And you got you kind of answered the second question too, because the second question I always ask is if have you had any experiences, but you just gave us a handful. I've had, so. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a ton of experiences. Um, you know, starting, you know, from when I was like eight, I would say. Um, and when I was eight, I saw my first apparition. A fully formed non-vaporous apparition. Ooh, to, that's rare. To paraphrase one of my favorite movies, um, <laughs> the, she wasn't scary, but she was definitely there. So um, yeah, I had many experiences then. Well, a couple of things. A couple of things to touch on that in that intro, kind of. Which my mom was a huge fan of Dark Shadows, so of course I became a fan of Dark Shadows. I love that show. I'm still, I think, I think I'm still in the first season because there's so many episodes per season. But right, it's, it's such a good show. I and I haven't got to the part with the vampires yet. I just, <laughs> I'm still in the part with, I'm still in the beginning. But I had forgotten about the beginning because I don't think I started to watch it until after Barnabas came on the scene. Yeah. It, from what I heard, they brought him in because it wasn't doing well before they brought him in. It, it, it's which I could see that it's kind of a little bit boring before they like in the beginning when it's just all the family drama and like the occasional ghosts, but nothing else. But okay, so you haven't gotten to the to the part with the Phoenix woman. No, I have not got to any paranormal parts of it yet. I okay. see it's one of the. It's one of those things where I watch it when I'm caught up in everything else and I have time. Right. Which these days with podcasting is a rare thing. But uh, someday I hope to get back to it. It's just, it's been years and I'm still in the first season because I don't have much time to watch it. But maybe once I get to the part with actual supernatural stuff, then it'll be like more of an incentive to actually sit there and want to watch it for episodes in a row. In a row. Well, it does and get Oh, I'm sure I've heard. I mean, I I love the Johnny Depp movie of it too, but it's not the same. But I do like that movie as well. <laughs> it was good. It was good in the original cast. Some members yeah. of the original cast do make a cameo, which is oh, yeah. cool. And um, I've also been to uh, Seaview Seaview Terrace in Newport, which is where um, they film the external shots of Collinwood. So, oh, really? um, so that was kind of neat. Um, I first went there, I was playing in a, um, in a chamber, a chamber group. Um, I, I played um, classical music and I was yeah. with an orchestra and we were playing there because they have like a chapel, St. Cecilia's Chapel. And it's kind of at the on the end of the building, and it has its own separate entrance and everything. And that's where we were playing. 
Um, but as I pulled up to the place, I was like, oh my goodness, this is Collinwood. Like, I was like, you know, like blew my mind, you know, I was going to do a concert in Collinwood, but when you go inside, it's nothing like, you know, of course it's nothing like uh, the, the house because they film the interior shots are all done on a New York soundstage. It wasn't, wasn't, you know, it was just the exterior shot. Um, and also they uh, shot the, um, the scenes at the Blue Whale, the, the, uh, the bar, uh, that is actually the Black Pearl in Newport. It's a restaurant, very well known. And um, that's what they used for the exterior of the blue whale. So it's, oh. it's kind of cool because there's that that Rhode Island connection there too. Uh, you know, it's funny. I live in Massachusetts. I might just take a ride down to Newport and go check that out. <laughs> oh, you should. You should. Um, and there's also, uh, we have uh, the Breakers, which is also reputedly haunted. Um, that's like the most magnificent mansion in Newport. Um, and then there's a castle too, that's supposedly haunted. So yeah, you should come down, check them out. May have to, may I'll take, maybe this, maybe this summer I'll take the wife and kids on a day trip or overnight trip. I'm not, I'm not sure how far Newport is. I want to say it's at least two hours, but I'll have to look into it. Just but it's probably yeah it's probably a couple hours from boston well, i'm not yeah well i'm i'm a good hour and a half from boston well actually well depends what time of day it is but uh, yeah i'm i'm a distance from i'm a guy in the middle of the state but mm. no no I'm, yeah. uh yeah i was right about two hours because <laughs> i have to i have to basically would have to go past boston and go south to get there so but i'll definitely check out some day but you also said you're a Stephen King fan, which as as a Stephen King fan as well, I got to ask, what's your favorite book? Oh, that's a tough one. That's a real one. Um, I really like The Stand. <laughs> and it was a really big book. Um, I read it, I think I was first married because I remember sitting in our first apartment and having my nose buried in the book. And I read it in like record time. It's a huge book. And I oh, think I, I couldn't, I couldn't put it down. I think I read it in like three days, which is very quick for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, What's yours? See, like, like you said, it is a hard question, but this, the stand's definitely in my top three. That's for sure. But, my favorite would have to be, uh, I want to say Salem's Lot, but oh. I, feel like, I, feel, I feel like I'm forgetting one. <laughs> or actually, okay, it's Salem's Lot slash It. Those two books are my favorite. Those two were, Salem's Lot like terrified me. After I finished reading that, I didn't want to go near any windows. <laughs> like if I was if I was home at night, I would have to like, um, you know, put down all the shades. Like I didn't want to look out the windows because of the, the kid tapping at the window. Ah, that just freaked me out. And then it, I hate spiders. 
So oh, I, I was, yeah, uh, yeah, it was yeah. Uh, those they're very scary. Um, I I even like his books that aren't scary. You know, he's got a lot of books that you know that are not scary. You know, yeah, but, the more the more fancy books he does, like the Talisman the, or like the, or like the Dark Tower series. Dark Tower series, I love the Dark Tower series. Yeah, um, I'm on, I'm on the second one as we speak. I've been on it for about a year and a half. I haven't had a chance to read since I moved in with my now wife and her kids. So, ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, little ones will keep you busy. I don't remember reading all that much when my son was little. So, uh, but yeah, I've got quite a good collection of Stephen King books and. Um, I just picked one up at the grocery store, actually. Um, the Colorado Kid. I it's, I saw that. Yeah, I saw that out there. Yeah, it's just a, it's a little paperback. I can't wait to read it. it looks really good. It looks like a, a graphic novel, which I really love. So yeah, I can't wait to read that. Yeah, for the company I work for, we do. We well we do until next week um the the books at sam's club so i always see when there's new stephen king books that are out on the shelves and that one he just put out fair oh, a couple months ago fairy tale that looks so good i want to read that i've heard that that one's good too i haven't read it yet uh, he's just amazing because the fact that he's been writing now for 50 years and he the amount of books he puts out is so numerous like it's just insane I've, I started at the beginning of his, not filmography, um, the beginning of his, wow, why can't I think of the word? But I started at the beginning of his books basically a couple of years ago with Carrie and then started working my way down and I got up, I got up to the second Steve, uh, Dark Tower book before I kind of wasn't able to read it anymore. So hopefully someday I can go back to it because I would love to get through his whole catalog of books, but He's yeah. such a good he's such a good writer. He is. He's unbelievable. And um it was strange. The other night I was watching we were watching The Omega Man, which is an old movie from 1971. And I remember watching it when it came out. Um and it is really a horror movie. It really is. And I'm watching it and I'm thinking, wow, this reminds me of something. It reminds me of, um, I don't know if you've ever read the book Cell. Um, and uh, it's really, it's a really terrifying movie about, you know, um, people who are affected by um, a certain disease and become zombie-like. And it's, it's almost like the stand, you know, there's like a small group of survivors that band together and try to, you know, beat the zombies. And, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is where Stephen King probably got his ideas for stand and sell and, um, you know, other, other books like that, uh, where you have like this outbreak of, you know, sickness or um, this one in particular was um, germ warfare. The Chinese, yeah. Chinese and the Russians had, um, you know, dropped some some bombs on the United States 
that were loaded with this bacteria and it was germ warfare, you know, and people got sick and, and uh, Charlton Heston plays the Omega Man for the longest time. You think he's the only survivor and all these like zombie-like people are after him. And I'm like, wow, this really reminds me of his, a Stephen King story. So I can kind of see where he might have gotten some of his ideas from that. You know? Yeah, it, it's kind of funny, though, because like in Salem's Lot, I mean, that sounds a lot. In, in the stand, there are like no zombies or any kind of like any kind of creature like that. It's just literally you either die or you're alive still. Like there's right. no in, there's no in between. Right. Which is weird. I mean, I never thought about it really till now. But I mean, the the trope of that of like a, a attack of some kind or a sickness in science fiction has been around forever. I mean, day, night of the, like uh, night of the Walking Dead like started back in the 50s but right it's 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 just weird he had no i mean okay well with randall flag as a villain you don't need any creatures to attack people right <laughs> yeah it's always like that one like leader of the evil group of people you know um but yeah it's it was uh it was kind of cool to see that which i mean yeah which Randall Flagg is the penultimate villain of all time in a lot of his books. So, I mean, he's a, mm -hmm. that's why, that's why I personally can't wait for them to make the TV show out of the talisman because that's another book with Randall Flagg as the bad guy. So. Right. Right. He kind of tends to use the same um, either locations or people or, you know, he'll slightly change the names of the people. Um he, he tends to do that a lot, use the same characters, you know. Um, well, I mean, you write that many books, you're going to have to recycle some material eventually. <laughs> right, right. But. Right. So and I'm, st I'm still tripping over the fact that you saw a full body apparition eight years old. That's mm. amazing. Like, there are people who would pay to be able to see a full body apparition instead of like, instead of like <laughs> the see-through the see the see figure or the like misty figure. But and yes, yep. I caught the I caught the Ghostbusters quote there. Just saying, but <laughs> uh, so yeah. Let let me ask you, let me ask you this: um, Does the Rhode Island Paranormal Research Group only do ghosts and spirits, or do they do like UFOs, like Bigfoot type investigations as well? No, no, we mostly investigate hauntings. You know, of private homes, yeah, and businesses. But we've also done some historic places. Um, you know that that the public can go to, like uh, the Payne House Museum. We were the first group to investigate that place. Um, let's see, Fort Adams. Uh, we we investigated there and did ghost tours at Fort Adams in Newport for five years. Mm. Uh, that's a really very haunted place. Um, we got a lot of really good evidence, a lot of EVP, a lot of photos, strange photos. Um, well, it's, it's a fort. Was it used during the Revolutionary War or? It was... It was, but it's the way it looks now. It didn't look 
that way until after the Revolutionary War. Um, I'm, trying, I'm, trying, I'm trying to figure out like where all the spirits there would be from, like what time period. There wasn't there wasn't any um, any battles fought there. Uh, there wasn't any battles fought there. The battles were like inside the fort, like between yeah. soldiers. Oh. There was one soldier that shot another soldier dead for throwing pebbles at him. And then um, there was one soldier that wasn't well liked, so he was beat up and thrown into a well. And they found him, and he was at the edge of death. Took him a while to die. There were accidents while they were building the fort. There were cave-ins. There were fires. There were um, drownings. Uh, there was um, one woman that, uh, that one man that was one soldier was on watch, and he fell off the battlement. Um, you know, there was a torpedo explosion like uh just off the the, the uh fort because it's it's on newport harbor uh, okay torpedo explosion in the harbor uh that we found about we found out about through an evp of all things huh it was it, it was it was interesting the first time we were at the fort we were being given the tour because we were going to be doing investigations and taking people on ghost tours. So um, we were being taken around, given the history. And one of the members of the group kind of stayed behind in the officer's quarters. She had her digital recorder with her. And she just asked the question, um, you know, if there's anybody here with me, please tell me your name. And then she waited a little while. And then she said, um, can you tell me your name? She said it again. And then she went on to ask a few other questions. And then she said, you know, if you spoke to me, thank you. I'll be listening to my recording device later. And so later on, after we've been shown the place and she was already home, she listened to it. And the first time she asks if there's someone there, can they give her their name? She hears a deep man's voice say, Spalding. And then after she says it, she asks again, it's a little louder and it's Spalding, like, you know, more forceful. And so she got on the computer and searched Spalding Fort Adams Newport. And up came an article from August of 1888 about a torpedo accident in Newport Harbor. And one of the men that was, they were, there were two men in a boat testing a torpedo and it blew up while they were in the boat. Wasn't supposed to happen. They're both blown to pieces. Like the article is very graphic. And one of them was, Lieutenant Lyman Spaulding. So mm. we thought that, and it was to be his last um, duty, his last uh, job. And then he was going to be deployed someplace else. So we figured he, you know, he died. He didn't finish his job. 
So it was like unfinished business. He was still at the fort. He was at the fort, still hanging around. And over the years, it, it's strange because we became familiar with the, so familiar with the spirits there over the, over time that they were almost like, you know, like our, our friends almost like Lieutenant Spaulding who spoke to that investigator. He was always asking for her by name. He would like be, you know, we would catch him on EVP um, or on a spirit box or an obelisk and he'd be asking for her by name. Um, and then, uh, there was another, uh, investigator who, um, liked the spirit of the man that was shot dead for throwing pebbles at a senior officer. Um, she became very fond of him and she would say, oh, come pose with me. And, you know, she'd have somebody taking pictures of her say, oh, come on my left side over here near my hand. And you'd, we'd take a picture and there'd be like a big orb right next to her hand. It was just bizarre. Um, that, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And there were children that died at the fort because there was an outbreak of the Spanish flu um, in the um, early 1900s. 1918, I believe. Yeah, I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, but there was always like sickness and death there, and um, one of the spirits that I encountered over and over again was a woman, and she I always experienced her in the powder magazine where they used to keep the gunpowder. Now, what was she doing in the powder magazine? I don't know, but that's where I would get her voice on my recordings. And I caught a really strange picture of her um, back in, I think it was 2016, maybe before that. Um, but I caught a very strange photo. And it's published in a book about the four. They published the photo. So, um, so yeah, that's a very, it's a very haunted place. Um, New London Ledge Lighthouse in New London, Connecticut. I stayed overnight there like four times. Another very haunted place. So um, we do like, you know, public places too. Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, because I actually, I was looking into Rhode Island and the paranormal a little bit before I came on to do this interview. And I actually saw that Animal Planet uh, had Finding Bigfoot in Rhode Island in the early 2010s because there was a bunch of spottings of a Sasquatch called Big Roadie. Big Roadie, yes. That was, um, I've read about that. And I also read that, um, wasn't it like, um, wasn't his fur like white? It wasn't brown, like, yeah. or well, dark? I mean, yeah, it was, a, it was a weird hue for a Bigfoot this far north. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I've never seen a Bigfoot. I have I mean, seen, I, I have seen, I think, um, I think I've seen UFOs when I was in Scotland. Um, we went to Scotland oh. summer and we were uh, with a tour and we were at Bonnie Bridge, which is a UFO hotspot. Yeah, and, I've heard of it. Um, and there were, there were objects in the sky in our pictures. 
So it was, uh, that was strange. That was strange. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. But we don't, we don't actively investigate them. It's really not in our wheelhouse. Yeah. I mean, I, I get that. And it's, it seems like a lot of paranormal groups don't really, unless they're specifically for like UFOs, they don't really go looking for them. It's just a, and plus, you really can't go booking for UFOs. You kind of, you either see them or you don't. Like, it just kind of happens. It does. I've had reports um, of UFO sightings in Rhode Island from three separate people who don't know each other at all. And one thing they all have in common is that they happen near water. Um. The first one was a friend of mine, and um, she and a friend were in Portsmouth near um, St. George's School, uh, which is like a, a prep school, private prep school. And um, they were looking out at the water, sitting on the rocks, looking out at the water. And she said, all of a sudden, this big silver object came up out of the water and hovered just for a few seconds and then took off like a shot. Um, and then I had my sister's friend's husband who was a science teacher. Okay. He was um, near Point Judith. There were some rocks that you can kind of walk on and he and his friends were on the rocks walking around and um, he kind of went off by himself and he was looking in a different direction and he saw the same thing this big silver object come out of the water and hover and then took off we were working a case a private home in east providence which is you know east bay what we call east bay and um the, the client told me that they were at a playground with their kids and their neighbors with their kids and were just hanging out at the playground and it was starting to get dark and they saw like this orange light, just this big orange light that was just kind of, you know, hovering and then it would kind of move and then, you know, move around and stuff. And then it just like, you know, there was another one and they were just kind of moving around and, and they were standing there watching these things. And they, all of a sudden they just blinked out one by one. They just blinked mm -hmm. out. And the playground was near the water. It was near the Providence river. So, um, which is kind of, you know, kind of off the bay, but, um, but yeah, um, a lot of people in Rhode Island have seen UFOs. Um, well, I mean, the Northeast in general is well known for UFOs. I mean, the town I live in is a UFO hotspot. A lot of people, a lot of people think it's because they siphon the metals out of the mountains that we live on and they use that as fuel. I don't know if I agree with that, but I mean, it's a plausible theory, just like all the like, all the other ones out there. Mm -hmm. And and there's a, there's been a connection for a long time with UFOs coming out of water. I know there's a, a bunch of lakes in the West Coast too where people have spotted UFOs coming out, which would make sense. I mean, 
if they've been coming here since before we were smart enough to know what they were, they could have easily built underwater bases and that's where they go to park their ships at when they want to stay here for a while. So, I mean, makes sense. Yes. Plus, um, you know, we have the uh, military industrial complex here. We have um, electric boat, you know, which is big in Rhode Island and in Connecticut and in Massachusetts. Yep. You know, they're, they're building, you know, nuclear submarines and stuff. And UFOs have been known to be very interested in, like, uh, military bases and places like that. So that might be another reason why we see a lot of them here. Very uh, true. I mean, it, whether they're interested in it or whether they're landing, lending a hand with it, who knows? But, yeah, yeah. I mean, I trust, I trust the U.S. government about as far as you can throw them. But because I mean, they they waited till what a national an international pandemic to tell us, oh yeah, UFOs are real. We've known about them for years, but we're probably gonna tell you guys about it. It's just my husband thinks they're kind of the kind of spoon feeding us, giving us the government saying little bits of information at a time, so that when we finally, you know see you know when they're finally uh the more we see them it's going to be less of a shock maybe people won't panic as much i don't know I don't yeah know. i mean it, it makes sense that's what that's why i've been believing for a long time too is that they're i keep i keep telling everybody i'm like wait till the next pandemic they're gonna admit bigfoot exist <laughs> I, I don't know i mean they're finding new species of animals all the time who's to say but isn't one of those species of animals that um just is very rare you know so people don't see it a lot but enough people see it that it probably does exist uh in my mind it basically has to exist at this point because there are so many sightings in the United States alone, not even the rest of the world, which don't even get me started on that, but the United States alone, even if 80% of those people were making up tall tales, telling lies, that's still a lot of sightings. Like, it's just, it's almost irrefutable evidence at this point. And in this day and age with Facebook and all the other social media sites, the pictures I see posted on an almost daily basis of what people think are Sasquatch glimpses that they get. Some of these pictures, I can't think of a like a way of being a skeptic about it. Because I look at it and I'm like, no, can't be that, can't be that. Like It has to be something that we don't know about. Unless the people that are posting them are, are hoaxing you, you know. Well. Are faking, you know. There are certain, I mean, it's possible, but once again, I don't think every single one could be a hoaxer. I mean, I I follow these um, this profile on Facebook. Uh, I think they're called they're called book authors Joseph and Annie. They live somewhere in the United States. I'm not sure where. I think they told me before, but I don't remember. And they wouldn't want me to say anyway. But they live on a reserve in the middle of the woods, basically, and they swear they are surrounded by a Sasquatch clan family, whatever you want to call it, and they refuse to let people know where they live exactly because they don't want anybody coming up to disturb them. And they they post pictures every day, like every couple days of 
basically it looks like just trees but they draw outlines and you can kind of see something there and i mean i'm not saying they are they don't they never put a full crystal clear picture or saying here it is but i mean then again why would they they don't want to get that close they're taking them from like 300 feet away 500 feet away pictures because you don't want to get that close because then it's just gonna either a attack you or b run off right right so i mean I don't know. I just I feel like Sasquatch has to. I feel like it has to exist. I feel like it has to. I, I mean, plus I've had people on my show from Small Town Monsters who go film their documentaries about Bigfoot, and they found proof of it in the Olympic Project. They found proof of it in Alaska. They find a lot of proof of in different places they go. So, yes, I follow. I follow a, a lady on Twitter who is a, a Bigfoot hunter, and she lives in Washington State, which is a beautiful, beautiful country. But there's a lot of old forests and stuff. And there's, um, you know, a lot of streams and stuff near where she lives. And she does, you know, the plaster castings. She finds the tracks and she does the plaster castings and she takes pictures of the... Um, like they make like stick teepees almost. Yes. Lean tos. And she'll, you know, she'll say, Oh, this is, you know, this is a Bigfoot net. You know, um, and you can tell it's some kind of shelter. Um, and um, I think it's interesting. I've never seen one. I've never seen uh, an alien either, but I'm not gonna say they don't exist just because I you know. Yeah, I mean, I I've seen UFOs as well, but I I, I never seen a Bigfoot, never seen an alien. I mean, I well, I never seen an alien I know about by chance. I mean, have I seen one in a human suit? Who knows? But that's just the way it goes. Sometimes, I mean, I, you just can't know these things until they're actually proven, and that's the that's the biggest problem with paranormals. You can't a lot of stuff we can't prove right now because we don't have the technology. No, no, I don't. I don't know if we'll we'll ever have the technology to absolutely prove it, like irrefutable proof. I don't think it exists because no matter what you tell someone who doesn't believe in it, they're not going to believe it unless they experience it themselves. They you literally know? would have to capture a live Sasquatch or get or get one to agree to come with them, and that way they could prove to the world they exist. But in a way, I kind of don't want that either, because then the jerks of the world will be trying to hunt it, and that's not something I want. Right, right. That's true. I mean, it's just sad. That's the saddest thing, is that if we discovered a lot of these cryptids, if, they, if we discovered they exist, there also would be bands of people going out trying to hunt them, and just to say they killed one. And it's right. just sad. Yeah, yeah, you don't want that at all. No, especially if they go hunt Bigfoot and they run to a dogman, then forget about it. They ain't coming back. <laughs> like, at least from what I've been told about them. There are many, um, you know, a lot of different creatures that uh, that the uh, the Native Americans believed in. You know, look at the Skinwalker. You know, they, you know, um, can uh, can change. Can is like a shapeshifter. Can change. Yep different things you know um these stories have to come from somewhere you know you have to wonder you know 
and they're thousands of years old. People, thousands of years, people have believed in this. So um, they got to come from somewhere, right? Exactly. And I mean, the Native Americans had stories of Sasquatch as well. They had stories of dogmen to some degree as well. I mean, just the amount Thunderbirds, I mean, the amount of creatures that Native Americans and other Native cultures around the world talk, talked about. It just, I mean, there literally is a Sasquatch in the story of story of Gigglemesh. Uh, Gigla, I know I messed that up. Mm -hmm. I, I, I messed that name up, but like literally the first story, first epic ever written about his best friend, the story Inkidu. A lot of people consider a Sasquatch by the way they describe him, or Dogman, depending on how you look at it. But it's just Gilgamesh. That's what's it. Gilgamesh. God. I can't believe I didn't get that. I couldn't get that right away. But so, I mean, they've been in history forever. It's just impossible to think they don't exist at all. I mean. And they've been all over the world. You know, you have the Yeti, you have Sasquatch, you have Skunk Ape, uh, all different, you know, sightings. And actually, I wanted to ask you, since you weren't in Scotland, did you go to Loch Ness? I did not. Oh. Uh, that was not on the itinerary. Some of the people on our tour had arrived like the, uh, the day before, or even a few days before, or they stayed on afterwards and went to Loch Ness. Um, but nobody saw the Loch Ness monster uh, or anything that, you know, looked vaguely like, like it. So, yeah, I mean, beautiful country up there. Oh, I it's on my bucket list. It really is because uh, I I did an ancestry test a couple of years ago and I found out I am part Scottish. So it's got it definitely got added to my bucket list at that point, even though even though it was on there already for years that in Ireland together. But it is but, on people's bucket list, you know, people that are into the paranormal. It, you know, I mean, there's so many haunted places. I mean, we went to um, Edinburgh Castle. We went to Mary King's Close. We went to uh, the Edinburgh Vaults. Um, we went to several castles. Uh, we went to the high, you know, up in the Highlands. I mean, we went to a couple prisons. It was, you know, pretty crazy. Um, and a lot of places are haunted and been have been haunted for hundreds of years so it's a yeah. different dealing with a ghost that's been dead for hundreds of years rather than one that you know has only been dead for you know maybe decades so it's a little different yeah you know? oh god i mean just to be able to just if there's a way to talk to those ghosts and just see like everything they saw while they've been stuck on earth Right, right. Yeah. It'd be amazing. Yeah. I did use um I did use a pendulum quite a bit because they seem to be able to manipulate that really well. Um as far as the electronics go, they don't really seem to um to like them very much. Um but uh but we Makes did sense. have we did have some good luck, you know, just just with the, you know, recording devices. Catching EVP was um, was pretty 
uh, we were pretty successful with that. But it is an awesome place. I, I would love, I wouldn't mind going back there. It's, there's so much to see and do. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like there would, I mean, well, there are so many countries in this world I'd love to visit, but Scotland's right. definitely on that list. I mean, then I would love to go to Australia and try to find a yaoi, but. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so do you have a, a, like a bucket list place? Like if you could go anywhere to investigate? I'm sorry. I missed part of that. Do you have, do you have a bucket list place that you would love to go and investigate like one place anywhere in the world that you would want to do. Like for example, mine is Alcatraz. I've always wanted to go there. That's um, a good choice, but mm -hmm. mine I'll never get to actually do, but cause it's literally impossible, but the white house. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're right. I was, I was very big into presidents when I was a young kid. I was very big into the history of presidents. Mm -hmm. And the White House is said to be haunted by several former presidents, several former first ladies, several former employees. I mean, it's just supposed to be a very haunted building because of the history in it. So mm -hmm. I would love to go to Trump. I actually had someone on my show a couple weeks ago who she... With, a, with the help of a medium over seven or eight sessions, she wrote a book about her talking to Thomas Jefferson. Wow. It's called The Metaphysical Thomas Jefferson. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I believe that she actually, I mean, she, Jefferson talked through the medium, but, but the stuff he said about uh, his fellow founding fathers, the stuff he said about what he thinks about religion nowadays, what he thinks about education nowadays. Like, it's kind of mind-blowing in a way. Like, it's just, it's interesting to be able to see, like, a founding father's ideas on, like, what they built to what it became now. It, right. I mean, he even there's even a chapter in there on what he thinks about, what, what he thought about uh, slavery. And, like, compare, I mean, because as everybody knows, Thomas Jefferson was, one of the most famous slave owning presidents supposedly but yeah. but i mean he basically i don't want to give away too much but he basically described it to, to her as a burden he had to carry that was just the norm back then he didn't agree with it but it was the norm and it was the way to get things done back then right but but yeah i mean i would love to be able to talk to lincoln like that's my dream is to talk to the ghost of Lincoln and because he was into the paranormal and that would just have such, be such an interesting conversation if I talked to Lincoln like I, to me personally that just would be so fascinating definitely definitely yeah the White House would be an awesome place to visit and, and uh, to invest but but yeah you're right there's no way that you're going to gain that, that kind of access the only way that would ever happen is if the United States fell somehow and the White House became just another abandoned building. If it was like the stand, then maybe I could. But <laughs> until that day, I don't see it happening really. And right. it's sad. I mean, you think they would do some kind of ghost tour in the, in the White House, like around Halloween each year. 
that people could pay to go do and like i don't know i don't know like like of course they you wouldn't be allowed in certain areas like any other tour of the white house but you could they still should let some paranormal investigators go in there just to have some if for shits and giggles if nothing else i mean just to see what they find because well, maybe if we you know get a president that's in the paranormal he'll allow it which these days that's more and more likely to happen in the future because more and more people are into the paranormal now it is Hence the name of my show. Hence the name of my show. It is the new normal. So it is. Um, I was at my ear doctor's, and I mentioned that I was a paranormal investigator, and I I thought he was going to laugh at me, you know, and he was like, "Oh, you know, the building, this building, uh, goes back to the late eighteen hundreds, and it belonged to to so and so, and." He says every once in a while, you know, one of the doors will open by itself or one of the doors that it's open will close by itself or something will move. And we think that it's him just coming back for a visit. So it's just like, you know, maybe, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, we'd be laughed at if we ever said something like that. But now it's like, oh, yeah, you know, we have a ghost. Oh, yeah. I mean, I. I've experienced the same thing. I, I'll be getting my haircut at the Supercuts in town, and I'll mention and I'll mention to the woman like she'll see me on my phone doing something, and she'll be like, "Oh, you're." She's like, "What's that?" I'm like, "Oh, that's my paranormal podcast." And she's like, "Oh, my, my daughter and I are both sensitive. We have a spirit in our house. We talk to." And I was like, "And like anywhere you go, you bring it up. Like people have stories about it. It's just it wasn't like this when I was a kid." which is why I kind of got out of the paranormal for a while when I got in my teenage years, because it wasn't something that if you talk about it, you're the weird kid. You're not the popular kid. Right. Right. Nowadays, nowadays, a lot of the popular kids want to be paranormal investigators. Like it's just the way it goes. Unfortunately. Oh, not unfortunately. It's a great thing now. I mean, I love it. It's not, I mean, it's, it, it was, I liked it a little better. What it was like a, Click, like a click type thing where like it was the few that were into the paranormal like could band together and be friends but now it's everybody which is good it's good it needs to get out there more so we can find out more the more people looking for things the more likelihood of finding something but at least it's my theory well our group has been around since 1984 we're one of the oldest continuously operating paranormal groups in the Northeast. As far as I know, only one is older, and that's the New England Society for Psychical Research, which was the Warrens group, which I think they started back in the either the 60s or the 70s. Um, but when we first started, there were only there was only one other paranormal group in Rhode Island and there was one guy that owned like a metaphysical shop and he did paranormal investigating as well and that was in us and that was it um, yeah. so so and now it's like there's got to be at least a dozen in Rhode Island which is a small state and um, it just seems to have turned into turn into like um kind of an interesting what was like an interesting hobby that you could kind of learn from and explore um 
it's turned into like a money maker, a big money maker for a lot of these places that have ghost stores and, and that kind of thing. And um, yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, which of course means there's more scammers out there now trying to make a buck off uh, tours, which isn't a good thing. But right, I, I mean, when it's done right and when there's actually hauntings and ghosts to do a tour for, then yeah, that's that's great. And if you want to make a little money off it, people are willing to pay, then why not? That's the American dream. But if you're going to try to scam innocent people out of their money just so you could pick a quick buck and not show them anything, then and plus with these days with Yelp and all the review sites out there, if you do that, you're not going to last long anyway because people are going to review you. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, I don't know. I just... Like like everything in life nowadays, you just gotta take it with a grain of salt. Right, right. I, I mean, it's you the know. same with psychics. Same with psychics nowadays. Like there are so many psychics and mediums out there on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. They, I mean, I get messages probably every other day at least. Like, oh, your name popped up to me. I'd love to give you a reading. I accept donations. So I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> like I don't I don't have the spare money to be giving you donations. And two, I if you really want to give me a reading, do it for free. Like if you if it really came to you that you should give me a reading, you'd be doing it for free. A real psychic would do it for free. Not someone who's just trying to make money would want donations. But, right. I uh, mean I don't have anything against um you know psychics or or mediums or tarot readers or whatever, you know, making money. I mean, they have to earn a living too. Of course. Um, you know, I mean, you know, uh, but uh, some of them are not, you know, not real. And that's, yeah. that's a problem. Um, you know, it seems like they've, they've, you know, all come out of the walls. Everybody's a medium. Everybody's a psychic. Everybody, the newest one is everybody's an empath, you know. Yep. Um, and it's, you know, you got to wonder, you know, are there really that many psychics and mediums and empaths out there? I don't know. I really don't know. I um, mean, I, I fully believe what some mediums and psychics on my show have told me, that everybody has the ability to do it. But mm -hmm. you have to learn how to unlock that ability, one, and then learn how to fine-tune it so you actually can get proper readings and proper signals coming through to you. You can't, not everybody, you can't just close your eyes and hope it, and like say, oh, this kid, this is what I see. But no, that's not how it works. You need to be practiced. You need to have a mentor that teaches you how to do it. And I actually had a, a, a woman on my show, Corby Mitlead, and she wrote a book called The Yellow, the Yellow Brick Road, A Guide to Psychics. Mm -hmm. And it actually teaches people how to separate real psychics and mediums from the, the uh, charlatans, the fakes, the ones who just want to make a quick buck off you. And she says, if, if any psychic tries to get you to spend an absorbent amount of money, like thousands of dollars, just to get rid of something haunting you, they're not real. Like a real psychic would want to help you because they're a good person. They may charge you a little fee, but it's not going to be thousands of dollars. It'll be maybe a hundred dollars, maybe one hundred fifty, like, but no absorbent amount. Right, right. 
Um, I mean, I have friends that are, you know, Reiki masters and they spent big bucks getting um, certified to do that. Um, and so when they do it, you know, they want to get paid because, you know, they, they had to, you know, pay to, to get their credentials. But if somebody's not credentialed and, you know, I agree if they're asking exorbitant amounts of money or if they seem to be trying to cold read you, asking more questions than, um, than they are giving information um, or they're just giving information that's not specific, then they're probably, you know, they're probably trying to rip you off. You know, hundred percent. I agree with that. And I mean, and I, 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 I'll go ahead. It, it's sad. You know, it is. I mean, yeah, I've, I've had mediums in my show, a bunch of them. And I, every single one that's been in my show, I believe is real because mm -hmm. I do get, I get like a certain feeling like right here in the middle of my brain when I'm talking to mediums and I like, it's just, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's my personal medium ability trying to break free. Like everybody, they all tell me meditate and you'll unlock it eventually. I don't have time to meditate. I do too much, but, and I just can't sit there and do nothing to me. That's just the waste of time for me personally. It is. I, people, if people want to meditate more power to them. I just can't do it, but like, that's the thing. Some of these mediums have given me readings on my show and it's not, wasn't prompted. It wasn't anything we talked about beforehand most of the time. And it was just something that all of a sudden they went into a trance and they started telling me something. And it's just, it's something that nobody would know about me, like family history and stuff like that, that I don't post stuff about this on Facebook. I don't post this stuff anywhere. I don't talk about that stuff in my podcast until it came up at that point. So, I mean, it's kind of, like, I feel like it's impossible they could have been making that up just because there's no way anybody could have found that stuff out. Right, right. Yeah. And that's the way it should be. They should be able to tell you things that, you know, only you know or only you and the spirit that's supposedly coming through would know. It's ev evidential mediumship. And that's really the only real kind I think there is. Um, you can be psychic and pick up on things. Or you could be intuitive and pick up on things. I have a friend that's very intuitive, um, but she says, she's like, I'm no psychic. I said, yeah. yeah, you are intuitive. Like, she comes out with things and just, um, you know, it's just very, very intuitive. Um, oh, I mean, everybody. I mean, I I believe in that 100 percent because I mean I've had I had premonitions all my life as a child that mm -hmm. were things that just I mean they never were anything important that would help my family get money or anything. They're just this conversation will happen in class. Don't know when, don't know where, but well, I know where, but I don't know when, but it'll happen. And then a month later, I recognize this conversation these people are having. Why? And then I was like, Oh yeah, I dreamt about it. That's deja vu for you. And yeah. I didn't, I didn't think anything of it, but I mean, I was just like, I always thought it was just weird, but. Yeah, yeah deja vu is, is um, very much like, you know, having premonitions about things happening. Yeah, that happens to me all the time. Um, but yeah, yeah, and I think it happens a lot with children. I think children are a little more open um, and okay, stuff yeah. happens to them more than it does adults. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's that's definitely true. I mean, I 
I never saw, I mean, I was brought up in a house that was built when I was two years old and I lived in that house until I was 20. So, so I never saw anything because it was a brand new house on untainted land. So I never saw anything growing up because there was nothing to see. There was no spirits because it used to be a fruit field, basically. I think it was wild raspberries, if I'm not mistaken, but it used to just be a fruit field. And like after that, it got plowed and became like a football field for local kids to play football in. That's all. And then eventually my parents bought it, but it's just, I never had any experiences growing up until I bought, until I met my now wife in her house in the Bridgewater Triangle. And then in the house I bought that I'm in now, there is a spirit of the original owner that's here. I had the Massachusetts, one of the Massachusetts Paranormal Societies come in a little over a year ago to do an investigation. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, Raleigh, if you're listening, thank you, buddy. You've been a topic of my show a lot of times, <laughs> but uh, <coughs> trying to get trying to get rid of him actually because he killed a lot of my wife's chickens, so she wants him gone. But oh no. Yeah, we had my wife had her chickens in the back of the garage because there's like a back part of the garage that's and basically it was set perfectly to be like a chicken coop. Mm-hmm. And we had we had them in there originally, and then they all a lot of them started dying suddenly overnight, and we didn't even know we didn't even know some of them died till we cleaned it out after we moved the chickens. Like that, there was there was bodies buried underneath the shreds and stuff. The other chickens must have just brushed the shreds on top of it. But and according to what. The investigator said, and what mediums on my show have told me about it when I when I asked some questions about it, he doesn't believe that animals that chickens belong in the house. Uh. But now they're in the shed on the side in the side yard, and he and and that none of them are, none of them have died since. So, so well, might- ex- except that. from wild animals, except from wild animals, but that's natural. <laughs> right. Yeah. That. That unfortunately happens, but um, it's funny that you should say that you moved into the brand new house when you were about two and you moved out when you were 20, because that describes my situation perfectly. The house we moved into, I was about two years old. It was brand new when we moved in and I lived there till I was married um, at 20, Um, but there was something there. And I think, it was something, uh, it was, the, the house was built, it was a brand new house on a brand new street. Um, it, a lot of it was filled in. Um, I did some research and I found out that it was um, a former part of a farm at one time. Oh. And if you remember, like, you know, back in the day, on a farm and you passed away, you didn't get buried in a cemetery. You got buried like out under on the young oak tree. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there were three spirits that were seen in the house. And I believe that maybe when they built the house, um, they put it on top of their burials. Because, you know, back in 19... In the 1960s, or like I say exactly when, but back in the 1960s, I don't think they had like the regulations, or they might have, you know, the stones might have been gone or might have sunken in the ground, and they weren't aware that there were burials there. Um, like I said, a lot of it was filled, 
Um, so, um, yeah, I think that's what happened. I think there were, the, the house was built on a few burials. And my mother used to say that the guy that built our house was, he was a kind of a, kind of a crook. You know, he was kind of, you know, shyster. And yeah. you know, I understood what she meant by it. And after she passed away, my dad told me, he said, you know, your mother never liked that house. Now, she never talked about seeing ghosts or spirits. And if I started talking about it, she would say, oh, you know, it's your imagination or you were dreaming or, you know, she would find some other explanation. But I think maybe she, she could sense something. Or she may have experienced something, but didn't want to say anything because she was afraid that you know she would scare me, you know. Um, but yeah, it was. It doesn't have to be an old house to have spirits. But the land has to have either someone had, either someone had to be buried in the land or died in the land, or I mean, it has or, to have something. Or may have may have um, come in with someone. Attached, yeah. We've had we've had instances where there's a cemetery down the street. When the people moved in, they're like, "Oh, let's go check out that cemetery." And you know, a spirit that was hanging around just followed them home. You know, it it happens. Or they were in a place that was haunted, or maybe they were playing with a Ouija board in the house and called something in by accident. Um, yeah. So a place doesn't necessarily have to be really old to be um, to be haunted. It can be brand new, you know. Oh yeah, it's possible. I mean, the whole poltergeist scenario where, oh, but you didn't. You said you you said you moved the graves. You only moved the tombstones. But I mean, it's just. I mean, it's possible. But I mean, but I like, never experienced. I never experienced anything when I was a kid in that house, and I'm pretty sure my brother never did either, or my parents. Like it's just. I was creeped out by the basement, but I think it's just because it was a dark basement and I was a kid. But I don't know. I just I never experienced anything in that house, and I'm pretty sure no one ever did that came to that house. But basements and attics are creepy. That's for sure. They're the two creepiest, you know, spots in the house. Everybody says, "Oh yeah, when I go in the basement, you know, I I feel like I'm being watched or." You know, or, you know, I, I think I hear things or it smells weird or, you know, it's just a basement, you know, but, um, yeah. But I thank you for coming on, Margaret. It's been an amazing episode and we had, a, a, I think we had a really good conversation about a lot of different topics and it's, it's always makes for a good show. Yes, but, I do. Thanks for having me on. Oh, my pleasure. Why don't you tell my listeners uh, where they could find everything about the Rhode Island Paranormal Research Group? Well, we have a website, and um, can I can I uh, tell you our web address? You you could tell us you could tell my listeners anything anywhere you want to tell them about, so they can okay. find out more about you. Some shows don't allow that, so um, it's RhodeIslandParanormal.com. Very easy. It's just the whole word, you know, all run together, Rhode Island Paranormal.com. That's our website. 
um, check it out. We have, you know, a little bit of evidence posted there, but there's a lot of information about our group and what we do and about our members. Um, and there's a way to contact us too, if anyone's interested. Um, we've um, been trying to rejuvenate our mentoring program. It kind of took a hit during COVID because we really couldn't mentor any students. But right now, um, I've been reaching out to all the local colleges uh, to see if we can um, get some students to mentor. And what we do is we, you know, we teach them about paranormal investigating, take them on investigations. Um, hopefully, they'll be interested enough to join us as members. If not, they've had a good experience. They've had a basic education about paranormal. They've learned how to investigate using um, all the different devices and stuff that we use. And um, they learn our, our procedures and protocols. So um, that's one thing that we do. We're also on Facebook. So if you want to look at us, uh, look for us on Facebook. If you search T-R-I-P-R-G, it'll, it'll pop up on Facebook. Um, so we have a Facebook uh, we have a Facebook page as well. Yes, and I'll be sure to tag all that into the description of the episode as well. So that okay. anybody want, so that anybody in Rhode Island who needs your services will contact you guys. Well, so. I mean, we also go into Massachusetts and Connecticut, you oh, know, for nice. Hampshire. Um, we've done cases in, in Maine. You know, we've gone all over New England. So, um, Inawan Rock is one of my favorite places too. I think that's a cool place in the Bridgewater Triangle, and um, and also the the forest there that's uh, near New Bedford. Um, that's a pretty cool place to investigate too. Yes, I've spent a lot of time in the Bridgewater Triangle due to my now wife, and it is creepy as all hell there. But I've I've walked those woods, and it's. You definitely feel like you're being watched. Freetown Forest. Freetown Forest, yep. I went. My wife and kids thought we were going hiking there. I was going squatching. But, um, because <laughs> that's a big, yeah. that's a big Sasquatch hot site. You might see a puck wedgie, too. Oh, I, I kind of yeah. want to. I, I kind of don't because of the stories I've heard. But, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I got dogs now, and I definitely wouldn't take them down there because puck wedgies and dogs don't get along. But probably not. But thank you for coming on, Margaret. It's been an amazing episode, and I definitely hope you might have to. Okay, thank you. Yes, and to all my listeners, you know where to find me. I will be back in half a week with the newest episode. Thank you for checking this out, and have a good half a week. <laughs>